0: Learn all about investing in real estate in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, with a combination of real estate financial planning and modeling with numbers specific to Broken Arrow. Plus, syndicated, more generalized recordings of live and pre-recorded real estate investing classes. Not all of them specific to Broken Arrow. Be sure to stay tuned after the podcast for a message from our sponsors. Well, good morning and welcome everyone. Today we have a really cool class. I, uh, I think you're going to like this one a lot. So today we're going to go over Deal Alchemy. It's the first class in our series on Deal Alchemy where we're going to be going over how to manipulate the returns you're getting on an investment property, a property that you're buying for investment, a rental property usually. And how do we change where the returns are coming from. And this really comes from the desire for most real estate investors to emphasize cash flow. We'll go over a lot of different examples where we're not emphasizing cash flow. However, where this really came about is people were like, "Hey, look, James, you know, I can't find deals. We're we're in a deal-less market. You know, I'm I'm not able to come up with deals that make sense to buy. And I'm looking at deals every day and I'm thinking to myself, you know this is not really a dealless market um, so i don't know why you're struggling to come up with deals and then they've explained to me that they're really emphasizing cash flow and they only wanted cash flow and so we've come up with a bunch of tools to help people with cash flow including the 88 strategies that we have to improve cash flow but there's also this other way of manipulating where the deals come from and today we're going to talk about one example of that we're going to talk about deal alchemy and specifically Using lease options in order to improve cash flow. And you'll see exactly what I mean when I get into the examples. But first, what does alchemy even mean? You know, it sounds like this turning lead into gold with like chemistry sort of feeling. And it does have a use in that. However, what alchemy actually means is a seemingly magical process of transformation, creation, or combination. And that's really what we're doing we're taking a deal that has certain return characteristics and we are seemingly magically transforming those returns into other types of returns through, what I'm calling deal alchemy, which is a trademark term. So what we're really gonna be talking about today is moving returns between the quadrants. So if you've seen my, whoops, if you've seen my return quadrants before, you know I talk about appreciation, the tendency for property values to go up over time, cash flow, the amount of money you have left over after you take all the income you're getting on the property from rents and any other income you're getting, minus all your expenses—your taxes, your insurance, your mortgage payment, your uh, vacancy rates, your property management, your maintenance—like all of the expenses get subtracted out from that. Whatever is left over is your cash flow on your property. Then you also have a return from paying down the debt in the property. Usually, when you have a amortizing loan, a loan that gets paid off over a certain period of time, like a thirty-year loan, as an example the 30-year loan gets paid off over 30 years, and a certain amount of each payment that you make goes to pay down the loan. So you're actually getting a return on how much of the loan you're paying down. And then finally, tax benefits. Those are usually cash flow from depreciation. When you own a rental property, you can usually depreciate the cost of the building, not the cost of the land. You can depreciate the cost of the building over for residential properties, 27 and a half years. And so you get this tax benefit by owning these rental properties. And that tax benefit, we can measure, and we can say that's part of the return you're getting by owning this rental property. All four of those, plus the return you're earning on the reserves you need to set aside in order to buy the investment property, are all of the returns you're getting by investing in rental property. And what we're going to talk about today is, how do you move returns between these quadrants, especially for those that want to really get more of the cash flow part of the return? Okay? Okay. So oversimplified lease option. So I'm going to use an example of a a lease option, someone who is buying a property with the intention of leasing it to somebody and giving them the option to buy it from them later. So you give a tenant buyer, a tenant buyer is someone who is a tenant on the property, but ultimately they're going to become a buyer of the property from you, okay? So you're going to give a tenant buyer the option to buy the property from you for a fixed price, so here's where we're moving the returns around. What we're saying to them is, look, we are going to set the price today for you to buy the property anytime in the next year or two or three or whatever it is. And so what we're gonna do is we are going to limit the amount of appreciation we can earn on a property. And in a lot of cases, we will lower the amount of appreciation we could owe, we could get on a property. Okay. So for example, let's say we say to the tenant buyer, you know, you're, you've got this $400,000 property. I will allow you to buy the property from me anytime in the next year for, let's call it 410, okay? So now we've limited the amount of appreciation we can get in that property to 10K. We've traded appreciation for the other benefits we would get by doing a lease option. And you might say, so what do you get by doing a lease option? Well, in a lot of cases, when you do a lease option, you get improved cash flow. A tenant buyer coming in to rent the property is usually going to be paying on the higher end of the rent range and sometimes a little bit more. Okay. So let's say rent on the property was normally, I don't know, $2,000 a month. And let's say really the rent was a range because you know that rents are not exact, right? Rent is not always $2,004.37. It's, you know, on a, bad time of year, maybe it's $1,800 a month for a $2,000 a month property. And maybe during a good time of year for the right tenant coming into the property, maybe it's $2,200 a month. And maybe the range is, you know, most of the time during the year, somewhere very closely between $1,900 and $2,100. And so you know that rents are this range. And when you do a lease option, we tend to be on the high end of the range. So instead of getting what we thought might be $2,000 a month on this property, maybe we're getting $2,100 or $2,200. Or maybe, an extreme example, maybe we're getting twenty three dollars or $2,400. Okay? So in this case, with the over five, oversimplified lease option example, we are getting a tenant buyer to come in to buy an option from us, because you're going to pay for it. We're going to talk about that here in a second. They're going to buy an option from us, and they're going to buy the property from us for a fixed price. Let's call it 410. Now, if property values go up 10% during that year that they're in the property and the value is now worth 440, you traded the upside of appreciation in exchange for this improved cash flow and someone buying it from you and probably not having, you know, some real estate commissions and stuff because you're usually not paying real estate commissions when you're doing lease option exits on a property. And sometimes the tenant buyer will pay the closing costs. It's all negotiated, okay? And, And as an aside, you know, I'm using this as an example, but do you have to, sets the appreciation rate, the sale price of the property up front when you do these. You don't have to, but it is pretty common for you to say, hey, this is the price that you're going to buy the property from me for, for in the next year or two or three, setting the price of the option. That's very, very, very common. Do you have to do it that way? No. Can you tell them, look, you know, I'll let you buy the property anytime in the first year and we'll have it appraised. And whatever the property appraises for, that's the price. Maybe even as long as it's not below this number, you could structure it that way. It's very unusual, more unusual. I say I don't know if I'd say very unusual. It's unusual to do it that way. Okay. So in this case, what we're choosing to do by having the seller buyer come in, buy an option from us, where we set a fixed price and we get improved cash flow, we are moving our return from the appreciation quadrant to the cash flow quadrant. We're giving up some appreciation in exchange for improved cash flow. Plus, we don't usually offer lease options for free, right? We usually collect some type of option fee. And a lot of times, this is completely negotiated, but a lot of times we make those option fees non refundable, where it applies to the purchase price. So they give us $10,000 as an example, and that does apply toward their down payment. Toward the, toward the purchase price of the property that they're buying from us. But if they don't buy from us, they forfeit that. We keep it as the option fee, something that they paid in order to have the right to buy the property from us for a certain price, but not the obligation, okay? So we might, in this example, collect $10,000 as an option fee for them to have the right to buy the property for some fixed price. Well, let's call it a you know, 410 or whatever it was. And in exchange for that, we are going to get, you know, an improvement in cash flow. In this example, I'm just going to use a really modest $100 per month increase in cash flow. So we're going to pay $100 more per month in addition to that, and we're going to sell it for 2% appreciation. So we're going to go ahead and say the price of the property today is whatever it is, $400,000. We're going to sell it for 2% more, or $408,000. Now, in most markets, over a very long period of time, appreciation might be closer to 3%. So we're giving them an incentive to buy by saying we're going to lock the price in at a small increase of what we think it will be. The property can go down in value in that year. It could go up a lot more than that. Just realize we're setting it for 2%. So you might be able to do better than with the numbers I'm talking about. For example, you might be able to do much better than the $100 per month improvement in cash flow. I'm just demonstrating how this works so that you can understand how deal alchemy works and how we're going to move the returns. Okay? Now, one of the other advantages of doing this sort of lease option thing is you're getting this $10,000 of option fee up front as profit immediately. So how do you count that? You know, if you bought this property and you're immediately putting a tenant buyer in there, how do you count the $10,000 that you just got back as an option fee? Is it sort of like a rebate on the down payment that you put up? So if you had to put up $100,000 to buy this $400,000 property because you put 25% down, so now you got $10,000 back immediately when you put your tenant buyer in there. So really, you only have $90,000 invested in the deal. Is this sort of like a refund or a rebate on the down payment that you put up? You could think of it that way. And you could you could calculate your returns as if you had $90,000 in the deal because You really put out 100, you got 90 back almost instantaneously. So you only have $90,000 plus some closing costs, plus your reserves, like all that other stuff. You can calculate it that way. Or you could say, hey, look, this $10,000 of profit that I have in immediately, that's cash flow. And so really, you didn't get $100 a month extra in cash flow over that first year. You got $100 times 12 months, $1,200 plus $10,000 more in cash flow in that first year. But really, it's not cash flow because that's part of your profit. You've given that up because that does count as part of the the purchase price that they have on the property, okay? So in some cases, the tenant won't buy, and you will be able to keep that money as additional profit. I'm not going to get into all the complicated math of, you know, how do you calculate this if, you know, only one out of four or one out of three of the tenant buyers actually cashes you out which probably isn't too far off from reality, you know. in any given market at any given time, depending on how you set up your deals. But you know, not every one of them will buy. I think we give them every opportunity to buy and we wanna set up a deal that is win-win where we actually expect them to buy, where they're gonna likely follow through and do the deal. We don't wanna set someone up for failure by putting, in the, putting them into a property where they're never gonna buy it. That would be bad. That would be evil. <laughs> you to go and put someone into the property that you know that they could never buy so you never want to do that you want to set up someone to be able to succeed but people's life situations change and sometimes they have every intention of buying the property from you or having the option to buy the property from you sometime in the first year or two or whatever you set up as your agreement whatever you negotiate and then they decide to get married or divorced or have another kid or get transferred out of the area for a job and so they end up not buying and in some cases, it would be financially to their advantage to have done a lease option with you than to have bought the property outright and then had to sell with a real estate agent. If you think about it, you know, we're talking about a $400,000 property. They put up a $10,000 option fee in order to be able to buy the property from you anytime in the first year. And sometime during the first year, they get transferred for work, okay? Well, now they're out this $10,000 option fee. If they had bought the property, you know, used a traditional real estate agent, went and bought the property directly and they paid you know, $400,000 for the property at that time. And sometimes in the first year they got transferred for their job. How much would it cost them to sell the property and get out of there? Well, in a lot of cases, it would be a 6% real estate commission and, you know, 1% or so closing costs. Let's just say that's kind of a rough idea. Well, what's 6% of $400,000? Oh, it's about $24,000 plus another $4,000 in closing costs. So it's about 28K. So they're walking away from 10K as an option fee. That's better than if they had to pay $28,000 to get out of the deal because they had bought it. So it doesn't necessarily mean them walking away from the option fee is not necessarily worse than if they did something else. Just realize that. Okay, so now let's talk about doing this kind of like deal alchemy stuff. So with the traditional rental, and I I don't think I actually use $400,000. I think the numbers are slightly different. So um, we'll have to go ahead and just look at what these actual numbers are and you'll see how they change, but realize we're not talking about a $400,000 property more. I just don't remember what I used. So I prepared these classes like a week in advance in most cases. Okay, so traditional rental. So in the case where they're not doing the lease option, if we just had the traditional rental, they may have $11,000 expected profit in appreciation year one. I think I'm using 3% there. And they might be getting cash flow of about $2,330 on this property per year when they buy it. They have a debt pay down of about $2,800, a little less than that, and tax benefits of about $1,700. And since they're putting aside 12 months of reserves and they're investing those returns, they're getting about $2,203 per year in return on their reserves for a total return of about $20,000 in change. Okay. Now, when we go and we do deal alchemy and we convert this to a lease option, we're going to give up some of the appreciation and we're going to transfer that. This is oversimplified. We're going to transfer that in turn and in return for better cash flow. So we're going to move the return from appreciation to cash flow. And when we do the lease option, if we cut ourselves off and say, look, we're going to sell this property with a 2% appreciation rate, then the appreciation goes down from $11,000 to 7338. So we give up whatever that is about uh, $3,600 in change uh, of appreciation. In exchange for in this example that we said, we're going to get $100 more per month in cash flow. So our cash flow went from $2,330 to $3,308. So our cash flow return improved. But we gave up appreciation for it. Now realize, I want to point this out to you because this becomes uh, a point of confusion for a lot of folks. These are not one-to-one trades. It's not like for every dollar of appreciation that you give up, you get $1 in cash flow. In this case, it's worse, right? We're not getting a dollar for every dollar of appreciation we give up. You could try to structure your deals such that they're dollar for dollar, but in practical in the practical application of this, it's very difficult to do that. Okay? And because other things change, which you'll see. Okay, so we're giving up some appreciation, getting better cash flow. So the total return we're getting, and in this case, I assumed your debt pay down and your tax benefit return are identical for now. You'll see that they change a little bit later. So when we talk about the total amount before we were making about $20,023 return from doing this deal, now we're only making $17,336. But the characteristics of the deal have changed. You know, we got $10,000 upfront as an option fee, which is not shown here. We got, you know, instead of getting only $2,330 per year in cash flow, now we got an extra $100 per month in cash flow, $3,308. So our cash flow has improved. And the appreciation, which you don't usually see until the end, got declined. I mean, it got reduced, okay? All right. I guess I haven't known here. Collect 10k option fee and keys cash flow by 100 a month. Sell for 2% appreciation. So that was what I had on there. All right. So oversimplified lease option. Now what we're going to do? We looked at the dollar amounts of returns. Now we're going to look at how this impacts the return on our initial investment. Okay. So before we are making 8.97% from appreciation in the first year. Now we've reduced that down because we're only seeing a 2% appreciation rate. We've now reduced that down so that we're only earning a 5.97% return on our money for appreciation. And cash flow, we are earning 1.8% return from cash flow, your cash on cash return on investment. Now we're earning 2.6%. So cash flow is increased as a return. And our overall return, when you take into account appreciation and cash flow and debt pay down and the tax benefits and the return from reserves, Went from 16.24% to now 14.04%. So, in this example, using this, this type of deal alchemy, because we are emphasizing cash flow and we're trading appreciation for the benefit of cash flow now, we've reduced our return from 16.24% to 14.04%. So, we've overall reduced our overall return, but we've traded this for improved cash flow and moving some of the profit to the front of the deal by collecting that $10,000 option fee. Okay? Now, when you think of that $10,000 as being a rebate on your down payment, it impacts other parts of the return. It impacts like how much the percentage of return is because now you have less in the deal. Instead of putting $100,000 up as their down payment, now maybe we only put $90,000 up. Okay? And so you can look at that and see what the return is. So, for example, now we traded appreciation for cash flow, tax benefits, and debt pay down. We've kind of moved this return and exchanged it for these other three areas. So, the overall appreciation went from 8.97 down to 6.45, and the cash flow went up from 1.8 to now 2.81, and the tax benefits went from 1.38 to 1.49. And debt pay down went from 2.29 to 2.47. So what we did is we traded this appreciation because we took that $10,000 option fee and we said we looked at it as if we had gotten a rebate on our down payment. That's how we decided to apply that $10,000 option fee. And you could choose how you want to apply that. You know, when you do your calculations, you could say this is really a refund of my down payment, or you could look at it and say this is cash flow, which would really improve cash flow more a lot more than $100 a month, right? So you can look at all those. So the overall total return looking at appreciation, cash flow, debt pay down, tax benefits, and reserves went from 16.24 to 15.17. So it did impact our return. Our return overall went down. Cash flow went up, and the tax benefits, which is cash flow from depreciation, went up. So the amount of money we're receiving up front definitely improved. But overall, the profitability of the deal actually went down. Okay. Now, what if we? Oops, did I do this right? Yeah. Okay. Now, what if we went and we were able to negotiate and get them to pay two hundred dollars a month instead of an extra one hundred dollars a month in cash flow? Well, that cash flow now went from twenty three thirty to four thousand two hundred and seventy six, and the amount of return we are getting overall went from 23 dollars to now eighteen thousand three hundred thirteen dollars. We still have that same decrease in appreciation. This is the oversimplified version. We went from appreciation of eleven thousand and change now to seven thousand three hundred thirty-eight, and our cash flow now improved by about twenty-four hundred dollars per year, two hundred dollars a month instead of hundred dollars a month, and so the cash the overall return went from twenty-three thousand. I'm sorry, twenty thousand twenty-three dollars to eighteen thousand three hundred thirteen dollars. So still a lower overall return. But now we change the characteristics of the investment we do deal alchemy into a better cash flow type return. Okay. And this just shows you the return on investment. So, the return on investment when we get this $200 a month in cash flow, we went from 1.8% cash on cash return from cash flow to 3.38% return from cash on cash. Okay. So, that's how it improved. The overall return, though, still went down. We went from 16.24%. From all areas of return to now 14.82% by getting $200 a month in cash flow. And again, this does not take into account that $10,000 in option fee. Okay. If we apply the option fee, it would be very different, just like it was before. All right. This is just a chart. I'm not going to go over this, but this shows you how each of the four change. So this is the traditional rental, this is the lease option with, I think, $100 a month in cash flow. This is the one where you apply the 10K um, option fee as a discount to your, as a rebate to your down payment. And then this one is the lease option where we get $200 a month. And it just shows you the overall returns up here. And then each one of these breaks down the returns. So this is the blue one is the return from appreciation, just like it is in these charts. The green ones are cash flow, red is debt pay down, yellow is uh, cash flow from depreciation, and the uh, gray area is your return on your reserves. And you can see how these change. Depending on which way you do it, okay. So, in conclusion, you can utilize deal alchemy to modify where the returns are coming from. One example is using a lease option, where we've now traded appreciation for some option fee upfront and improved cash flow in most cases. Okay, that's really what we're doing. We're we're manipulating the deal. You know, the definition of alchemy was. A seemingly magical process of transformation, creation, or combination. That's what we're doing here. We're basically taking a deal and through a seemingly magical process, we're manipulating where the returns are coming from, the types of returns we're getting on the property. Okay. Moving returns is not always a one to one change. You don't get 1% in cash flow in exchange for 1% of appreciation. So it's not like you're saying, all right, I'm going to give up $10,000 in appreciation. I'm going to get $10,000 in improved cash flow. That is not typically how it works. It's possible in very rare situations that you may be able to structure your deal this way, but I think you'd be fighting against yourself trying to structure it and make that work. Okay. All right. That's all I got for you. Hopefully you liked this first class in the series we're doing on Deal Alchemy. Um, I think I'm trying to do one class per week on the deal alchemy stuff. And so there's all other variations. The lease option is just one example. We will cover a variety of other ways to kind of manipulate these returns to show you how to move returns from one or two or three quadrants to one or two or three other quadrants or one, two, three, or four other quadrants. We're kind of moving where the returns are coming from and where they're going to through a variety of different methods. The first one was this lease option. We will cover additional ones in future classes. This has been James Orr. Hope you guys have a great weekend. I will talk to you all soon. Bye-bye for now. With home prices up, mortgage interest rates up and rents up, but not quite enough to counteract the higher prices and interest rates. cash flow on rental properties in Broken Arrow Is harder than ever. Book a call with the Real Estate Financial Planner to apply our proprietary 88 strategies to improve cash flow on your rentals. See the show notes for a link to schedule your call and improve your cash flow today. If you're a real estate agent, lender, or professional in Broken Arrow that wants to help our real estate investor listeners, consider reaching out to learn about collaboration opportunities with this podcast.